Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. You can engage with us on Instagram at counter underscore thought, on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Twitter at counter underscore podcast, and on our website, www.counterthought.captivate.fm. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Counterthought. In this episode, we're going to talk about the administrative state. What is it and why you should care? But first, if you've come across this video and you actually haven't listened to any of my previous episodes, this is just the second video episode. But if you're looking for episodes 1 through 32, those are all available online in multiple forms. They're on basically every podcast app available mainly Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Pandora. It's even available on Pandora. It's available on Stitcher uh, and some other apps as well. I know you can also go to my website, which is uh, counterthought.captivate.fm, and you can listen to the audio versions there. And again, basically every different podcast app, it's available. And even though we are now in video format, we are video and audio. So you can watch Counterthought in this format, or you can still catch this full episode available on all of those other podcast apps and on the website. So plenty of ways to consume Counterthought. And again, I appreciate you for joining me and listening to my content. So the administrative state, what is it? And why should you care? The administrative state, it's this phenomenon of the executive branch and legislative branch. But what it is basically is it is the executive branch exercising its power to create, adjudicate, and enforce their own rules. Now the executive branch has numerous agencies. And if you aren't familiar, the, the executive branch is just think basically of the president of the United States. And then you have right the other two arms, branches, there you go, branches of our government is the judicial branch, which is uh, the law, right? The justices. And then you have the legislative branch, which is Congress, right? The House of Representatives and the Senate. Well, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch all have their own agencies. But the administrative state mainly is referring to the agencies of the executive branch. And I'm gonna share a little bit of a history lesson here for you. And a little bit later on, I'm gonna tell you exactly how many agencies there are. And it will blow your mind. You've heard the term big government before. This is just, this is just gonna blow your mind. So. Quick history lesson. So in my last episode, episode 33, it was about uh, the fundamental flaw of today's progressivism. And I mentioned in that episode that progressivism actually started back in the 1900s, right around 1890, 1900 through 1920. Okay. And during that time, the administrative state actually began as well. That was known as the progressive era. And one of the presidents during that time was Woodrow Wilson. 
And during Woodrow Wilson's administration, he created the first agency, the first agency that fell within the executive branch. And then after the progressive era, again, ending in the 1920s, you moved into um, FDR and his New Deal, right? So President Roosevelt, his administration took it a step farther. So Wilson created the first agency, but then FDR and his administration created multiple agencies. And it was then during that time, during his new, the New Deal era, that the belief, which is still present today, and we'll get into this here in a second, the belief that experts and scientists know better. And you may have heard that on the news recently, depending on, or other podcasts, you know, depending on who you listen to, but that's the mindset that scientists and experts know better. And therefore, if they work in the government, then the government knows better. But who do they know better than? They know better than you and me. Now, I know for me, that's not true. That is not true. That sweeping generalization, that is not true. The experts and scientists do not know better. Right? And I think you'll agree with me on that. But during that New Deal, that was where that mindset came from during FDR, the belief that experts and scientists know better. And because they know better, they can reshape American society moving forward. Right? That was that was the that's what the New Deal was about. It was about reshaping American society coming out of the Great Depression. And the thought was, the belief was, and is today that the government knows how best to do that. And then you jump from the New Deal, which again was in the 1930s, all the way up to the 1960s, known as the New Society. And then that begins from the 60s and comes actually all the way to today, which we're talking about 60 years now. Well, that New Society began with Lyndon B. Johnson. And you remember he came into become president because he um, was the vice president for President Kennedy, who was assassinated. And during this second wave, which again now spans 60 years, even more and more and more agencies were developed. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that every agency was created by a Democratic administration because that is not the case. Plenty of agencies, actually, I read that more, more agencies were created actually in like under the Reagan and Bush W administrations than in other Democrat administrations. So don't go pointing fingers thinking that it's just Democrats who create these agencies because it's not the case. But listen to this number. Listen to this number of agencies and it is going to blow your mind. So according to the Administrative Conference of the United States, there are estimates between 78 and 137 independent federal agencies. But wait, in addition to that, in addition to that, in addition to the 78 to 137 independent agencies, there is estimated 174 to 268 more executive agencies So put those two together, you're talking about a range of 250 to 400 agencies in our federal government. Can you believe that? Now I'm sitting here and I read that, I'm thinking, what in the world 
is can the government be doing that would require anywhere between 250 and 400 agencies? Like, I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about we have transportation, we have, you know, like financial regulate financial regulations, we have food, we have drug, we have healthcare, we have, you know, just kind of go down this list. And I'm thinking, how do you get to 400? How do you even get to 250? And there is this, uh, this document called the federal register and the federal register is basically it's used to measure like the size and the scope of the federal government. Guess how many pages this thing is in 2016, 95,000 pages, the federal register in 2016, 95,000 pages to document the 250 to 400 agencies that exist within our federal government. So you might've thought about big government before, but when I thought about big government after reading this, it's just a whole new level, right? 250 to 400 agencies, 95,000 pages to document all of these agencies, unreal. So the administrative state has just exploded. Again, this started in the early 1900s, So we're talking about over a course of 120 years and really less than that, probably about half. If you go back to the the new society and Lyndon B. Johnson, so in about 60 years, maybe the most 90 years going back to the new deal, you're talking about 200 to 350 agencies were added to what existed during those time periods. It just blew my mind. I can't. I still can't wrap my head around it. I don't even know if I want to see the federal register because it's probably just going to make me angry. First off, I'm going to have to have like uh, people assisting me to carry something that's 95,000 pages. That must be, that must be like an eight by 10 foot bookshelf stacked up behind me to be able to have that many pages. I don't even, I don't even know, but it's ridiculous. So, So that's one of the reasons why you should care about this administrative state. Yes, that's what it is. And yes, that is also why you should care. The administrative state is huge, too huge, too big to keep up with. There is no way that one person, myself, I can't do it. Me plus you probably can't do it. But that's why there's these judicial watch groups and other watch groups and everything within these eight within uh, Washington, D.C. and other places around the country that are keeping an eye on government to make sure that they are following the rules. Because there's no way that one of us or a few of us can keep up with that many agencies, and that many people. And in addition to that, the executive branch agencies, it's estimated that there are 4,000 presidential appointments. 4,000. 4,000. And an estimated 5,000 legislative appointments. So through Congress. So that is 9,000 appointments estimated, estimated 9,000 appointments within the federal government. Now think about it, getting into jumping ahead a little bit, but who cares? Think about the administrative state now. Think about it. 4,000 presidential appointments. Think about when the next time the president comes into office, or maybe this current administration. We've seen it. We're going to get into some of these examples here. But you have the president of the United States, Democrat. You have the Senate split, but 
Democrat because the vice president gets the the tiebreaker, and then you have the House of Represent, then you have the House of Representatives, Democrat majority, four thousand appointments. Doesn't it seem quite easy for the president to become authoritarian? I mean, they're appointing all these people to all these agency heads, their cabinet members, uh, leaders of the FDA, leaders of the CDC, leaders of the DOJ, leaders of this, leaders of that, the FBI, so on and so forth. Kind of looks like a 4,000 person army, if you ask me. 4,000 little soldiers marching right along with the president of the United States. So that's one of the reasons why you should care. 4,000 appointments, talking about a little authoritarian government could just pop up right out of thin air. But diving back into the administrative state. So there are a couple things going on with the administrative state. Now, yes, we have separation of powers. You're probably familiar with that term. And that is actually one of the one of the pillars of this administrative state. It's known as the non-delegation doctrine. And with that, the legislative branch cannot delegate their powers to a separate branch of government. And that was actually referred to in the most recent uh, concurring opinion from the Supreme Court regarding the employers with over 100 employees in the federal vaccine and or weekly testing, paying out of your own pocket mandate. That was referred to in that concurrence. We'll get into that here in a second. With the non-delegation doctrine, the separation of power says that the legislature, they make the laws that they cannot delegate, they cannot pass off their power to another branch of the government. So you see a lot of times Congress basically not acting. And then when Congress doesn't act, an administrative agency such as OSHA, or the CDC says, oh, well, I mean, Congress isn't acting, so it, it's up to us to set the, to set the rules, to set the, uh, the regulations, and everyone else is going to follow. We saw that with the CDC going back to the eviction moratorium. That started in 2020 under the Trump administration and has carried over into the Biden administration. It went on for about a year and a, a year. Yeah, right about a year, maybe a year and a half until the Supreme Court stepped in and said that, hey, CDC, you don't have the authority to um, to note to you don't have the authority to do this eviction moratorium. Your, your scope of, of your power, basically, for lack of a better term, does not expand, does not include evictions. Like that goes into states and tenant law and everything else. You don't, like you don't have the sweeping authority to jump from, you know, public health into evictions. So that got struck down by the Supreme Court in, I think, August of last year, September of last year. And the separation of powers again. That goes back to the Constitution. But if Congress isn't going to act, which is a whole another topic talk about Congress not doing anything. There's plenty of examples of that. But that is one of the things that leads to this administrative state. Congress has the power to create laws and to create the the scope, the framework of all these different agencies and what what they are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. But when Congress doesn't act, these administrative agencies, 
take it upon themselves to go ahead and enact, create laws or regulations that we have to follow. And we're finding out, thankfully, because businesses or individuals or organizations are um, going uh, lawsuits and going that route, litigation, we're finding out that some of these most recent ones are have actually been illegal, unconstitutional. The vaccine mandate being one of them and another one being the eviction moratorium. Those are the two most recent examples. Now, those who want an administrative state say that the separation of powers, there, that there are certain statutes that have been given out by Congress that are up to interpretation and give a little more leniency to these agencies to create the regulations and rules that we have to follow how they see fit. There's also the executive control of these agencies. I mentioned before, the president of the United States has 4,000 appointments to these agencies. 4,000 people they get to appoint. Some require Senate confirmation. We've seen those on TV. Um, you know, when a new president's coming into his new administration, one of the things that he tries to accomplish in the first 100 days is, you know, fill all these big, uh, high profile seats within these agencies. And then the Senate has to confirm and they're either appointed or they're not. But there are hundreds and thousands of other positions that don't require Senate confirmation. Or if they do, it's just kind of like a check the box and you're on your way. It's nothing high profile like an FBI or a CIA head or uh, the Fed chair or anything like that. But 4,000 appointments, 4,000 people within the federal government who got the pat on the back, the thumbs up from the president of the United States. I hear that and I think, wow, that's a little mini authoritarian government that can just pop up out of, out of thin air every four years when the president comes in. Maybe every eight if the president's reelected. And we've seen some of that here recently, right? Those two examples I've just given. It's like, oh, well, CDC, I appointed you, Walensky, right? So how about you just uh, do this eviction moratorium since Congress won't do anything? And that'd be great. Hey, uh, yeah, OSHA, I appointed you too, right? Remember? Yeah, so how about you do me a favor? And um, since Congress won't act, you just go ahead and do this sweeping uh, regulation, this mandate for employers with 100 employees or more. How about that? Thankfully, in that instance, uh, the Senate at least went through the procedure of um, the Congressional Review Act and voted no. And that helped in the arguments presented to the Supreme Court because um, we were able to say, hey, look, like even if this went back to the legislature, the Senate is voting no on this. So that's just furthered the or strengthened the uh, the argument for that lawsuit saying that it was unconstitutional for that mandate. And then within all these agencies, you have all the dynamics. Like, again, there's roughly 250 to 400 different agencies. So you have tiers and which ones do this, which ones do that, which ones report up to this and which ones report up to that. So 400, I mean, it's just, I can't even imagine what that org chart looks like. It's ridiculous. Think of all the financial agencies that you have. Think of all the food and drug agencies that you have. Think of the public health. Think of other industries that have multiple agencies, dozens of agencies. And that impacts their interactions with one another and their oversight. 
right? You might have, okay, you have, let's say intelligence. You have the FBI, you have the CIA, you have the NSA, you have uh, the Department of Defense, many others, others that we probably don't even know about that don't even have initials. And if they do, they're confidential. And then you have um, HH, HHS, and then you have the CDC within that, and then the FDA within that, and then the uh, NAID, National Association of Infectious Diseases, within that. So it's it's crazy, right? Crazy. You just kind of get lost in it. But again, the, the main question after that history lesson is, is why should you care? And I've touched on it a little bit already, but the, the reason you should care is because the gov- big government is more vast than I could ever imagine. 250 to 400 agencies, 4,000 executive branch appointees, the president of the United States, another 5,000 legislative appointees. That's 9,000 positions appointed within our federal government from just two branches. 9,000. And think of the power that some of those people have within those nine, some of those 9,000 people have. We're talking about everyone from probably like a deputy, deputy director level, you know, like fourth, maybe down the totem pole, maybe lower than that, all the way up to the highest of the highest to be the director of like an FBI or the CDC or the FDA. And think back to what we've been going through since January, March of 2020, and what's been wielded from from these different agencies. And that's why you should care. Because if you don't care, the government's just going to do whatever it wants to do and then just wait for someone to sue them, to sue one of these agencies, go through that whole process with the court and everything else to say, thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, this is allowed, this is not allowed. And that seems to be the approach for some of these most recent uh, Supreme Court decisions during the Biden administration. I remember in one case, Biden said like, oh, this probably isn't even legal, but we're just going to go ahead and do it anyway. And what they're banking on, like with that vaccine mandate, is people saying, oh, crap, well, dang, we actually have to do this. Like this came down from the CDC. This came down from OSHA. You know, the president supports this. And then you have because it's such a litigious society, you have these companies for the for the uh, vaccine mandate thinking, well, we have to be prepared. January, it's November. Like we have 60 days to get ready for this. We have to be prepared. And we don't want to get a lawsuit. That'll cost us, right? So we're just going to go ahead and, and bend the knee and do whatever the government says out of fear. And the government's sitting back there thinking, hey, whether this is illegal or not, we're going to get two months of people um, complying with whatever the order is, whatever the mandate is in this case. And look at the thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of people who got vaccinated because they thought they were going to have to get vaccinated. Isn't that dirty? Isn't that a dirty little trick? Say, oh, we'll just use people's fear. We'll use fear of these corporations, fear of these companies push that thumb down on them just a little bit more to get what we want. And then, oh, we had an inkling actually when we put this in place that it wasn't legal. But we knew what was going to happen. We're just putting our thumb on the scale 
in, incentivizing people to get the vaccine in this case. And look how many people got it. Like, job well done. But that is why you should care. The federal government is huge. Huge, gigantic, ginormous. I can't keep up with it. You can't keep up with it. But together, along with these watch groups and uh, organizations, you know, standing up for themselves, we can watch it, right? And this is why it matters who you are electing into office. When it comes to your local representative, when it comes to your state senator, do you trust that when something, um, when a mandate is issued or something like that by one of these agencies that is illegal, that is unconstitutional, do you trust that they're going to stand up for your rights? I mean, you put them into office, are they going to stand up for you? I sure hope so. But that's one of the things that we have to consider, like, oh, don't consider the frivolous things. Consider these things. 4,000 appointees, 400 agencies. We are just one step away from authoritarian government popping up just like that, like a like a little pop-up shop whenever you sell clothes or something out in a shopping mall plaza, something like that. Like just poof, 4,000 people that are in lockstep with the president of the United States because they were appointed by him. And then you have a lazy Congress in a lot of instances that doesn't want to act. So that just um, emboldens these agencies to say, hey, it's up to me. It's up to me. And if this isn't legal, then the courts will settle it. And that is no way to run a country. That is no way to run a country. That's a dirty trick way to run a country. So I hope this kind of wakes you up. I hope that's what this episode does. I hope it wakes you up to the fact that if you are not woke, right? That's not the original uh, intent of, of that term. But you need to be woke. You need to be awake. You need to be aware of what is going on around you within the federal government, what these agencies are up to. Because if you're not, and you're not going to act upon anything that they do that you stand, and you're not going to stand up against it, they're just going to keep taking and taking and taking and let the courts rule whether they can or can't do something. Meanwhile, in that length of time that it takes to get decided upon within the courts, they're going to get whatever it is that they wanted. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and engage with us on Instagram at counter underscore thought on Twitter at counter underscore podcast on the Counterthought podcast page on Facebook and on our website. Thank you for listening to Counterthought.